It's Monday, May 17th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The fighting between Israel and Hamas continues, with rockets and airstrikes killing people on both sides. There was even an airstrike on a building that housed international news outlets. Benjamin Netanyahu has said that the attacks will continue as U.S. diplomats have been dispatched to the area to help with de-escalation talks. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for how the Biden administration is reacting to the situation and why the new guidance from the CDC on masks was causing confusion in the White House. Next, as students spent more than a year at home in remote learning settings, cheating has become more rampant and easier than ever. In North Carolina State University, more than 200 students were caught cheating. Texas A&M University had a 50% increase in cheating. Educators say a big part of this is the stress and pressure during the pandemic. And a lot of the cheating is done on homework help and homework auction sites, where students can post their assignments and people can bid on completing them for a price. Tonnell Hobbs, senior special writer at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for the latest surge in cheating. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Hamas is committing a double war crime. They're targeting our civilians and hiding behind Palestinian civilians, effectively using them as human shields. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. The uh, fighting between Israel and Hamas continues. It's been going on uh, pretty intensely now for about a week. There was airstrikes on the Gaza Strip that killed over 40 people. Benjamin Netanyahu said that you know the attacks would continue. We've seen thousands of rockets go back and forth. It's been pretty intense. It's some of the worst fighting we've seen since 2014. We have a U.S. diplomat in the area to help de-escalate the situation. And obviously, Israel is one of our allies. But how does the U.S. respond to this right now? How does the Biden administration support them and get involved in this? I think we're seeing a real test of Biden. You know, he's done pretty well so far in his first few months in office, keeping sort of the factions of his party happy. But I think this is really going to strain Democrats and their foreign policy views. For the last several years, the U.S. has been so domestically focused that our foreign policy has basically been everybody agrees we should get out of Afghanistan as soon as we possibly can. And the only disagreement was how soon is it? But the handling of Israel and particularly this conflict is really going to, I think, show new divisions. Many in Biden's party are saying that Israel is in the wrong here and that the people of Palestine deserve some protection, that they are being mistreated. And there is just fierce disagreement among Republicans on that point and then some within Biden's party. And look, Joe Biden was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for a long time. He understands the dynamic here. He knows the leaders who are involved. He's traveled extensively in the region, and he's going to be trying as hard as he can to get the ceasefire to be restored and to de-escalate. But at this point, there is no signs of de-escalation, and it's going to be a real challenge for him in the coming days and weeks. Right. And things got even worse, too, when uh, there was an attack on a building that housed you know, a lot of international media offices. I think the Associated Press, Al Jazeera were part of those offices. And so that drew condemnation also. 
That's right. I mean, Israel is saying that there were Hamas operations in that building, that it was a large building that had more than just those media organizations. But you're right. The Associated Press, the gold standard internationally for reporting, uh, was there inside the building. Al Jazeera, which is a news organization out of the Middle East, but is really critical in getting news to large portions of the Islamic world. Both had their offices destroyed. They were told an hour before to evacuate. So there was no loss of life uh, in the news organizations, but really it is viewed as an attempt to silence the coverage of what's happening there. I mean, every news organization, NBC, all of us rely upon the AP to tell us what's going on in the world and to have their offices destroyed, I think is really consequential uh, and something that those parts of Biden's party that don't want us helping Israel are surely going to be pointing out. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be hearing about this all week until things do finally de-escalate. hopefully. So uh, we'll keep an eye on all of that. Last week, we spoke about Liz Cheney being removed from her leadership position in the Republican Party. It happened as expected. New York Representative Elise Stefanik was voted in to take her place. There was one challenger, Representative Chip Roy of Texas. And again, the whole thing became she's not as conservative as a lot of the other people. She won that uh, 134 to 46 in a secret ballot. After the whole thing, she thanked President Trump, said he's a, uh, an important voice in our Republican Party. And um, and that's where they, where they stand now. The Republican Party is, is unified in their message, at least. I mean, they're unified in their leadership supporting former President Donald Trump. But as you said, Chip Roy ran against Elise Stefanik. And the reason, as he said, she wasn't conservative enough. And uh, NBC's Sahil Kapoor, one of our reporters, found this interesting tidbit. The Heritage Foundation, sort of the gold standard of conservatism in America, has a scorecard that they rate lawmakers. And they actually scored Elise Stefanik lower than Representative (laughs) Ilhan Omar. So just signs that the party has abandoned sort of ideological positions in favor of a hard line of, of Trump. It's quite remarkable to have someone that moderate now in their leadership because that's the test, uh, their their sort of allegiance to, to the former president. Uh, OK, well, moving on a little bit, uh, the controversy over Representative Matt Gates also continues Last week, one of his former associates, Joel Greenberg, who we've talked about before, agreed to a plea deal. In it, he admits to having sex with a 17-year-old and said others did also. Gates was not mentioned in this plea agreement, but uh, this is kind of where he's being investigated for all this. All, I mean, it doesn't look good for Matt Gates on this front, uh, but he still continued to operate as normal, hitting Republican political summits, saying, I'm being falsely accused of exchanging money for naughty favors, as, as how he puts it. But still, he's got to be worried underneath it all. I mean, Matt Gates would like the voting public to believe he patronized prostitutes, which is something that Republicans have survived uh, scandal from before. But this is distinctly different. He's being accused of having had relations with a minor or he or he's suspected of going to be accused. I mean, let's be clear. He hasn't been accused of anything yet. He hasn't been charged with anything. We, we understand he's being investigated. And part of that investigation involves possibly having moved this minor woman across state lines. So there's a lot of conjecture there. I think that as we see Joel Greenberg cooperating here, being part of this investigation, putting this plea deal in, we might get closer to some actual charges and that'll really solidify things. But I think politically, especially in the Republican Party of Donald Trump, sort of grievance and persecution are sort of things that are to be waved around as badges of honor. Right. Um, and that's what he's doing. <laughs> 
All right. Last week, we got new guidance from the CDC that fully vaccinated people can go without their masks. But apparently it was kind of a, a moment of confusion and unexpected for some in the White House. I guess there wasn't much communication between the two. Uh, supposedly the White House didn't really know that was going to come out. You know, a lot of people come out and said this is confusing, uh, confusing. It doesn't lift local mandates. So what does it really mean? And so everybody's just kind of all over the place. Uh, some supporting it, some uh, saying that it was too early to lift this mask mandate. You know, this is one of those times where the Biden administration had insisted that after the way Trump handled the CDC and tried to influence their decisions, that they were going to allow the CDC to operate independently and that they weren't going to try to influence what they were doing. And then they did something that they were trying to influence and it surprised them. <laughs> um, and we saw a bit of that play out uh, last week. And I think that we're going to see this happen again. Um, and I'm not sure they think it's the worst thing. Like I said, they want to be viewed as independent. Uh, they want to be viewed as not influencing and making these political decisions. Um, they want them to be based on the science. And so they could tell the American people, look, we're just as shocked as you were because we didn't know that it was right. coming. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what Chegg ended up doing, you know, they worked with Tyler Johnson, that's the coordinator of the class, and he was able to see that it didn't just catch students who posted, but it also was able to tell those who actually looked at the answers. So even if you didn't post, it's like, oh, my classmate already posted. Let me just look at the answer. Wow. So they got those people to. Joining us now is Tonell Hobbs, senior special writer at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Tonell. Thank you for having me wanted to talk about cheating in school. It's become easier than ever, and it's pretty rampant right now across the country. I've been fascinated kind of with what's been happening in education throughout the pandemic, you know, the roller coaster ride that students and parents and teachers all had to go through with closures right. and openings, remote learning, the whole nine. We've talked about it extensively yes. on the podcast, but uh, this is one of those things that I kind of missed. I wasn't really thinking of it, but it makes total sense. Kids are at home you know, often in their rooms, they're not in front of a classroom. Cheating, some type of cheating is going to be happening. But uh, a lot of what we're seeing, too, is kind of the ease and the rise in access to these uh, websites, homework help websites. And basically, sometimes people are just getting whole papers done and submitting them as their own. So, Tanel, tell us a little yeah. bit about what we're seeing with all of it. There is a lot of this site, and I talked to quite a few, and they said they have gained millions of new users during the pandemic. And in talking to students and reaching out to them through social media, I started becoming aware of these auction sites where they can actually put their work up for auction. And you have people that bid on it. And it's almost like Yelp for cheaters. These people have ratings. You don't have to go with the lowest bidder. You can go with the person who's got a great track record of doing math work. The pitch on one of these websites that says, consider hiring me to do your assignment. I work fast, pay close attention to the instructions and deliver a plagiarism free paper. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's big. I mean, the plagiarism free thing is big. Yeah. Right now. They're selling themselves yeah. to, as you mentioned, to the students that want to, the help with the, the homework and the, the, the assignments. Let's talk a little bit about this, because in North Carolina State University, there was a teacher who was concerned about this and kind of set up like a mini sting operation almost. Tell us how he found out his students were cheating and how many, because there was a lot. 
there was a lot. And actually, at the end of it, he was really surprised at how many there were. He had suspected some cheating was going on, just doing what he does. He's looking at grades and things like that. So what he did, he had access to a computer program and and the students didn't realize this. Each exam was different, whether it was just a word or two different in the question. So once he gave that exam and those questions started popping up on one certain side, it was the Chegg study site. And Chegg is, you know, some students use it the right way. Some students don't, obviously. But once the questions started popping up there, he's like, wow. And Chegg is one of the outfits that actually prides itself on trying to help stop cheating. So what Chegg ended up doing, you know, they worked with Tyler Johnson, that's the coordinator of the class, and he was able to see that. It didn't just catch students who posted, but it also was able to tell those who actually looked at the answers. So even if you didn't post, it's like, oh, my classmate already posted. Let me just look at the answer. So they got those people too. You guys did something really interesting there at the Wall Street Journal. You put out your own bid or something basically yeah. uh, saying, Hey, you know, the wall street journal is looking for help cheating for an article. Yeah, right. how, how did that go? Well, the reason why we did that, because I wanted to see how easy is it to do this? And obviously we are a media company. So we had to let them know, Hey, we're doing this for a story. We're not paying you and all of this stuff. But as soon as we posted just saying, Hey, wall street journal is looking for help cheating. And automatically they started bidding. And the bids ranged, I think it was like from $15. And then somebody said that they would help us if we gave them 2000 But it was it was fast. I mean, yeah. the bids started coming in fast. And we ended up pulling it down like after about 30 minutes, we stopped the auction. But it was just that easy for me to go on there. I don't even think it took not even a minute and a half for me to post the assignment. Yeah. And I mean, obviously people responding right away, they're not even reading it. They're just trying to get whatever cool. quote unquote work they can at that point. The other thing that we saw an increase in is kind of surveillance type companies that hire online proctors to watch students taking tests from home. So cheating has gotten so bad, they need to watch the students from home so they can make sure they don't do it. And there's all sorts of stuff that goes into that too, facial recognition stuff to catch eyes wandering. How, How does that work? That can be kind of contentious actually, because you obviously now have a person in many cases watching a student through a webcam. But I've noticed it at the college level, especially, that's what they're going to to get these exams done. You know, the colleges that aren't in session at all or the students that aren't back on campus, they want to test them. And they said, well, we're going to hire these proctors to do this. And that has been contentious, but those companies are growing big time. They're growing just as much as the companies that students are using to cheat. So, okay, the uh, overarching question, why are students cheating? It's happened for forever. I mean, cheating has always been gone on as long as school has gone on. Maybe a student is unprepared. Who knows? Whatever. But when you're at home, you have your even your own classroom materials. I mean, it, it seems like it's much easier. But a lot of people are pointing to, obviously, the stress and pressure due yeah. to the pandemic. I heard that more than anything from students. It was the stress. It was the pressure. It was just sometimes they just felt lost. It's a lot different being in that physical classroom and being able to raise your hand or maybe you look confused and the teacher notices that. Some of them just felt like they fell behind. And then some of them, quite frankly, said, we're in a pandemic. Anything goes. We should be able to use whatever resources we need to make this work. 
I got quite a few of that of, <laughs> of people that said that. You know, I mean, I can sympathize with a little bit of anything yeah. goes in the pandemic, but this is a specific situation. You're learning, you're trying to get your education. Right. You're obviously skirting that. You're not learning if you're contracting someone else to do it. That's right. And you know what? I tell the students, it's like, oh, so you cheated all of Spanish one when you go back to school in person. How are you going to be ready for Spanish two? Right. Exactly. Uh, when you, when <laughs> they're like, when you're ready to move on. And they're saying they might have to keep doing it. So it, there's that. If you could indulge me for a second, because mm -hmm. I, unfortunately I found it kind of funny, but there was some unique mm -hmm. new ways that students were cheating, including wearing wigs, using drones. Uh, what did what did you find out regarding that? Yes. Well, every time I would talk to one of the proctoring companies, I just wanted to kind of find out, hey, what ways are they cheating? And some of the ways were just so, you know, I'm like, wow, these kids are getting creative using a drone to, you know, the drones have the cameras and beaming the drone down so that the drone can take a picture, you know, so they could send it off or sell the questions or whatever. And then the wig thing was interesting because apparently there was a female student. She was taking a test. And she ended up sneezing and she got off camera. Next thing you know, there's a male wearing a wig trying to impersonate her. And uh, so, yeah, there was some. That was the, I mean, the, that was the, the one the that got me. Companies have been shocked. Yeah. yeah, they have been really shocked. Let's move on a little bit then. So what's happening, too, is on the flip side, the students, right, they're using these services. Sometimes the product is not that great. So they're not getting the grades that they, quote unquote, wanted to pay for. And then they're getting gutsy. They're going to the Better Business Bureau and trying to throw these companies under the bus saying that they're, you know, the product is not there. So they're cheating and complaining about it. Yeah, that was shocking to me. And I found out about that because I had talked to a student that said, and she had said, I'm going to the Better Business Bureau because a friend of mine did that. So I decided to check with the Better Business Bureau. And sure enough, they were complaining and there was a lot of complaints. And it, it was shocking. And a lot of complaints, you know, students said they were promised, they were assured that they would have an A. And there are some of these people that do this and they will assure you a certain grade. I've seen students that say, you get a bonus if I get an A. That's 20 more dollars. So these kids, they were complaining to the Better Business Bureau that they didn't get the grade promise or it was plagiarized. A lot of these people assure you that they will not plagiarize the work. Because some of the universities, especially uh, and also in the schools, they can run the assignment through this plagiarism software. That's the reason why the kids always say it has to be unique. So it will not get caught up in the plagiarism software. When they get caught up in that, they will complain to the Better Business Bureau about that, too. OK. And the last part of this, uh, going back mm -hmm. to the example of Tyler Johnson at North Carolina State University, they caught mm -hmm. 200 students. They gave them three options with how to deal with this. Either come right. clean, fight it with whatever administration there at the school, or meet with the teacher and try to hash something out. How did that go? Most of the kids, there were, I guess, probably half of the kids decided to do the Zoom meeting with the teacher. And basically what he said, he's a coordinator, what he, once he laid it out for them, they just kind of said, okay, you got us. There were about 30 to 35 of them that took their chances in a hearing process, and only one of them was fully vindicated. So the vast majority of those kids got punished. Now, he found evidence that some kids were using another cheating site to cheat. But he said, unfortunately, that cheating site did not cooperate with the university. So there was actually more than the 200, he suspects, that cheated. It's just they didn't get cooperation from the other cheating site. Tonnell Hobbs, senior special writer at the Wall Street Journal. 
Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.